Hello and welcome to the No Pun Included podcast number 11. Can you believe we've done 11, 10 episodes? This is number 11. We haven't yet done 11, you're right. No, we're doing it now. I can't believe it doesn't seem like that high a number. No. (laughs) I know. It's taken us about 10 years. But we got there. We are at number 11. This is our 11th podcast. Except uh-huh. it's not, it's just 11. Uh-huh. Bilbo, 11 where no, are you that's 11st. That's 11th first, yeah. yeah. That would be, yeah, the Bilbo birthday. Yeah. I miss Bilbo. Yeah. Ian Holm too. died. That was sad. Mm. I was very sad about that. I don't know why. I don't particularly celebrate celebrities no, or but actors. When but you grow up with something, yeah. then it's, it's sad when that thing comes to an end. I know, it's a right? It's nice thing that you enjoy. Yeah, Ian Holm has always been Bilbo. Yeah. Even when Martin Freeman was Bilbo, Ian Holm was still Bilbo. And they had to paste his face onto the film. Oh, yeah, they did that. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. That was weird. I um, did not like that. It's like when they mess with Star Wars and do edits and re-edits and re-edits of the old films. And I'm like, it didn't matter. Like, it didn't change much. Really. We know it's played by different... We know they're actors. It's fine. Yeah. We know it's not the real... Bilbo. I know, right? Right. It's okay. Yeah. You know they're just acting a part. Elaine, mm. would you would you have guessed that this is a podcast about board games <laughs> and not well, Bilbo Baggins? I mean, there is a Lord of the Rings board game, so I suspect that this episode is going to be a little bit slow because I don't know if you know know this, but in England right now we are going through a ridiculous heat wave. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> not you. I'm talking I'm to me. the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, we're basically melting inside right now. I'm still and drinking tea, though. It's just that's that's just far too English. But we're melting inside. We were playing Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, on a live stream yesterday, and we ended on the most ridiculously unlikely winning scenario. Uh-huh. Where we were convinced the entire time we were going to lose, we were going to lose, and then somehow with he Isaac's help mm. in the chat, we pulled it off. But he didn't really help us. He just told us the rules that we got <laughs> wrong, and, and yeah. he's like, "Do this, you'll win." Ah, oh, okay. Anyway, uh, we won, and instead of like celebrating this near impossible uh-huh. victory, we we're uh-huh. like, "Oh, hey, we won. That was fun." No, it's not because it's hard. All right, thanks everyone for watching. Bye bye. <laughs> It was a little bit like that. It was a little it, bit like that. We made it into an anticlimax. Yeah. It actually was a really exciting end and, to and, the game. And, and as professional went, entertainers. Like, like air coming out of a balloon. It was just like... Pfft. We ruined it. Yeah, we did a little bit, didn't we? Let's not ruin this podcast today. Let's not. What have we got coming up on today's podcast? A lot of things. First up, we have some No Pun Included news. And we will be discussing some No Pun Included news. That, Elaine is looking at a fly on a cable. It doesn't look pleasing. It's hot. It's summer. This flies. It's not fun. After No Pun Included news, we're going to have a look at what we've been playing and what games we're excited to play. Then we're going to be looking at our weekly escape room game, except it's not weekly because this podcast is not weekly. It's from Unlock Heroic Adventures. And the adventure itself is called Sherlock Holmes and the Scarlet Thread. Murder. Murder. Yes. Scarlet Murder? Not no, Scarlet, Scarlet Fred, Fred Murder. Murder. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, after that, there is our new segment where I grump about a game. This time I won't be grumping about a game. I will be grumping about game inserts. Dun, dun, dun. I also want to do a little bit on something nice. 
after okay. you do your grump. Oh, to, to counterbalance to counterbalance my grump. It. Wow, that's that's nice. I'm looking forward to hearing as and to then, what that is. Our main feature, which is Undaunted North Africa, the sequel to Undaunted Normandy, a deck building game set in World War Two. Ray, you got the title right. Is every game in that series going to be Undaunted Nor? I don't know. We would have to Undaunted ask, Norway. We would have to ask Osprey Games about that. Undaunted uh, Northampton. That featuring <laughs> Alan Moore. Because <laughs> that's the only famous thing to come so out of Northampton. That's the only thing I can think of. Let's start with our no pun included news. Elaine, there's not a lot of news. No, there's not. But keen listeners with the ears might have noticed that their ears feel better when they're listening to the No Pun Included podcast, episode 11. I hope so. That's because we've invested some money to make your ears feel nicer. Nothing is too expensive for you, our listeners. Is that why we bought diamond-encrusted, gold-plated Wagyu beef uh, microphones? microphones? Yes. Uh, I am licking one right now. (laughs) I can attest that the beef has been well-aged and delicious. They're not that expensive generally, but the problem is you have to buy them each time, which Be- makes them... Because we eat them as, right, as we record right, the podcast. which makes them very expensive overall. We also have just released our Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion video. If you haven't already seen it, please go check it out. Where I, I tell you why I love Gloomhaven. Big yes. surprise, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that I loved Gloomhaven. I just unleashed this monstrous bit of information onto the world and everyone was like (laughs) i liked it's called uh, the the tagline is a love letter because it's not a review yeah it's a love letter to gloomhaven jaws of the lion and i like how people in the comments have been like i thought this was going to be a love letter um spin-off spin-off yeah yeah for gloomhaven (laughs) gloomhaven themed yeah I, our audience is fantastic. They come up with better jokes than we do. Oh, yeah. I especially like that Jaws of the Lion is now Joseph the Lion. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's this whole new character, Joseph. He's mm-hmm. in Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. Actually, I need to write that in into our Frosthaven adventure. Yeah. I think there has to be a Joseph yeah, we do that. the Lion character. We should do that. Yeah. He sounds like a sad lion. Like, a, like the, what was that cartoon lion that was sad? Is that some sort of Russian cartoon? Maybe. Okay. Or maybe it is. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. I don't know. Talking of Russian cartoons, mm-hmm. Elaine, mm-hmm. what board games have you been playing? <laughs> uh, well, none of them is, as far as I'm aware, Russian. But in Forgotten Waters, there's Russian water. As in the water like, is rushing? Rushing, yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, okay, Elaine. Would, do you think it would be an understatement to say that we've not been... We've, with the mere blip where we thought Seafall was going to be good, but when we played more of it and realized it was terrible, would you think it would be an overstatement to say that we haven't been excited about anything that Plat Hat Games had released after Dead of Winter? I think that's a correct statement. Yeah. I know some people will say, well, what about Ash's Rise of the Phoenix Born? I'm not really into compatible car- competitive card games mm. anymore. And, mm. and nothing really has wowed us. Or actually, in some instances, like Gen 7, the next Crossroads game, I was actively disappointed mm. and upset with a lot of the decisions that were made in that game. Not upset, like, you know... Disappointed. Disappointed, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Upset is a strong word, you yeah. know? I'm not going to get upset about a board game. It's a board game, you know? Unless it's offensive in some sort of way. Yeah. 
But yeah, I wasn't impressed. And I was not ready for this to be as good as it was. Really? Yeah. I, I think so. About it? I, I think so. So uh, without spoiling too much away, because we're going to be covering Forgotten Waters on video, I think it's worth being covered. Yeah. Uh, because it's an incredibly versatile game. It's a and game, it's very different. Yeah, it's a game for three to seven players. We're playing it with just the two of us, and it works just fine. Yeah. I think it actually works pretty well. There's there's a mechanism for doing two. We're not just like hashing it out. Yeah, yeah. There's a they they have been Flat Hat has been incredible at making this game feel accessible mm. for anyone and making it work for anyone whether you're playing it remotely or with other people yeah what is it it's a storybook game you have a you have a storybook it's pirate themed are you know uh there's uh, a a lot of locations you go to those locations on as, your pirate as your ship characters yeah, yeah as your characters and, uh, what's what's really nice is that there's um an audio uh narrative so you can press a button and it will read you the story. By professional By pro- yeah, voice it's, actors, right? Yeah, it's right? not just a random person, yeah. I, it was really, really well done. I, a lot of people really like the voice actors. I, I do have one little niggle. Uh-huh. I think if you're British, the voice acting can sometimes uh, have that effect of someone who's American thinking that that's what British people sound like. I wouldn't know anything about that. Or an, yes, you so. would. You would. You were groaning and wincing throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, but I was enjoying it. It was like a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if it was supposed to be serious, mm-hmm. if the narrative was supposed to be serious, right? then it would jar yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. But because it was cartoony and fun, then it's fine. Like, it was it was funny. It was. I, I just want to give people an impression of how lighthearted this game is. Yeah. It, it, uh, so we had to come up with our the names for our pirates. Yes. So uh, we controlled uh, like more than one crew member, but like we were one pirate. I was a pirate, you were a pirate. Yeah. We had a name. Yeah. We had this sort of little character sheet. Yeah. And the character sheet has these mad lib moments that you fill in and yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yes, like the story does. evolves based and on things you've written in. all the different uh, characters, yeah. um, whatever character you play, you can uh, play a type of person. Yes. So... And that is what depends on how your story evolves. Exactly. So you were the safety pirate. So I was a safety pirate. Uh, concerned with the health and safety of yes. the ship. Which I, was is funny to begin with, right? I'm not going to say anything more about that. But what was funnier for me was that your name, which was randomly generated by the included, included yeah. generator in the game, was McMuffins the Chaste. Yes, McMuffins the Chaste. The first thing that McMuffins the Chaste did in his adventure was have a uh, romantic encounter with someone. And I thought that was funny and and just ironic. No longer the chase. And it wasn't even, like, that's not something that, 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 that was just born out of the game. Yeah. You know, oh, it, yeah. it wasn't something that was scripted or anything. Yeah. It just sort of happened. But it sort of puts you in that mood where nothing you're doing is particularly serious. Mm. It's all very silly. It's all very narrative driven. But what's nice is that they've also thought about it because the the cast of characters yeah. is quite diverse. It is. I will say that I, I'm afraid that it might get a little bit tedious and repetitive once because the game system is very simple and thankfully it is. They yeah. they axed all the bloat. It's just yeah. you roll the dice, you see if you succeed, and there's a few little finagly things. And it works, and it's funny, and it's light, 
and it's unobtrusive. It comes with tiny D12s. Uh, yes, it does. And mostly what you're doing, you're just going through the voice narrative bits. There's yeah. five adventures in the book. The first three are already voiced. The other two are going to be voiced yeah. later That's on. That's the main fun, but I think if yeah. you look at it from that perspective, then you're not going to have a bad time. If it, Because it's quite random. You do a lot of dice rolling and you... you um, do the same action quite a lot. Yeah, so, if you want to so be right, that could be quite repetitive. But if you look at it from a story point of view, then you won't be disappointed. Yeah, if you want to pick it apart mechanically, you're yeah. going to be disappointed. Yeah, you're but very, yeah, don't because maybe, that yeah. really defeats the purpose of yeah. enjoying this game. Elaine, we also played a lot of Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. We have. That's a game that has captured our hearts. I do. Do you think that's unfair to say that it's captured our hearts? Because I already, I already made a love letter on it. I know, yeah. How, well, how do you feel about Gloomhaven? Well, you didn't make it on your own, though, did you? No, mean? I didn't. But I think... <laughs> yeah, you didn't people, go off into a corner and write about it on your own. People would enjoy hearing your voice on this. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, I think we've made our stance on the original Gloomhaven. Um, original Daddy-O, or whatever you called it. Original uh, Taste. Original or Gloom Daddy-O. Gloom Daddy-O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've made that pretty clear. And what I really like about um jaws of the lion is how much more accessible it is because the getting out the tiles every time and packing away the tiles is definitely something that stops us from getting out more and having it in a book is just awesome i think one of the things that was pretty cool so if you don't know much about gloomhaven i i mean go watch our video we have a video we just released it it's a good video mm. um it's great b-roll it's, it's great b-roll <laughs> that elaine has shot um but i think one of the things that happened as we were making that video i was writing to isaac and saying hey i'm really sad that the book format is not going to be in yes. Frosthaven. Yes. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, I understand it's good, but there's reasons why you wouldn't want to have it. First of all, it restricts the scenario yes. space because the booklet is, you know, not as big. And then some of the other reasons are if you give people tiles, they can make their own adventures. Yeah. And that's neat. For sure. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, but you could have a bigger booklet. And he's like, well, okay, there's also costs to pay artists. I, and I think my point really is that it was expensive as well. Well, and I think those things together meant that people couldn't buy it. I uh, yeah, or couldn't get into it, or or you know played it maybe once and got some rules wrong and and never came back to it. Well, and and that's what I mean by accessible. Well, here's the cool thing. So after I talked to Isaac, like he was like, I it's it's just not it's you know it's it's, it's not exactly feasible. But now people. After we released a video and Tom Vassell also made a pretty good video and other media people have made their videos, it seems like Isaac has been getting this question a lot. Would it be possible to have a booklet for Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, even, even if we have to buy it separately? Yeah. Can we just have a booklet that has all the missions in the booklet? And apparently they're working on it. Okay. So I'm very excited about that. Okay. That would be, even though, like, I've played through half of Gloomhaven, probably, maybe even more. We don't know. We played more than 30 games, I think. Something like that in original yeah. Gloomhaven. I'd still buy that booklet just for the remainder. I'm, I'm very excited yeah. about it. We have also been playing High Rise, which I mentioned in our last podcast. And it came, like, the next day, I think, which mm. was really exciting. But then we had to leave it in quarantine for two days. So 
Yeah, that's that's how long you leave a parcel until it's perfectly safe to open. Yes, apparently. A- apparently, I don't know. A lot of people have been saying that you know contact transmission is not very likely of COVID nineteen. Anyway, that we're not Why talking, are we talking about, about that. Diseases? We're talking about high rise. We're talking about high rise, which, which is you way were more exciting. So excited! That I you, was really excited for the about first it, yeah. time. I saw you just rip the box open, <laughs> just grab the rule book, sit down, read it with you know anticipation, and now we played it. Yeah, I don't get. I don't know why, but generally I don't get that excited about games that I've never played or never seen. Like you get excited I, I, when you yeah, play. Them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. once once I start getting into a game. You're not a hype person. I'm not I've a learned hype this about you, yeah. At all. But for some reason I don't know why I was so excited about high rise. I mean that's um, cool, right? I, I liked just wanna say right now, I liked a lot about high rise. I, yeah. I think I think it's a very, very interesting game. Yeah. That borrows a lot of the familiar that we've seen in yeah, other games. Yeah, there's nothing in it that is groundbreaking. Like yeah. you're you're not going to go, wow! I've never seen this mechanism in a game before. I've never mm. seen a rondelle in a board game before. So, uh, if you're not familiar, we we made a video a couple of months ago called Putin Magnet. Is it Monopoly? Yes. And then <laughs> yes. And, and then when we were playing high rise we were like is this monopoly <laughs> only because so it doesn't it's not the same as the food chain magnet video there's no. there's no um feelings that are similar to monopoly yeah there's it. no like high concept that has no. strange overlaps and history that has strange overlaps. no, no. um it's just a couple of the mechanisms because and, you, and you, theme and theme yeah yes. because it's in a city and you're and building you go buildings around, you go around in a city and you're building buildings on spaces in a city, and you go back to those spaces. It's not a roll and move game. It's not a roll and move. No, you can choose. That's why it's, it's yeah. Rondell. So you can yeah. just choose how, how far you go, pretty much. Um, but you come back to those spaces, and when someone else lands on a space that's got your building, you get something. Yep. They get something too, but you get something. That's why it kind of felt like it had this Monopoly vibe. But it's not like it's Monopoly like, at all. It's such a... Damn, with faint praise to equate something yeah. to Monopoly in any yeah. way, because High Rise is a, a very enjoyable, yes. uh, a very light but strategic game. Yeah, I found it to have quite a few moments of pause where I would sort of just sit and think, and I'm like, okay, I really need to figure out what I have to do because. At the end of the round, there's like free eras. You always score for various majorities and you want to make sure uh, so there's like a little area control element in that regard. Yeah. You want to make sure you have the taller building in an area than anyone else. Um, and yeah, you just have to like pause and think because you always have a multitude of different options in terms of what action to choose. Because in, similar to games like Takedo or Heaven or mm-hmm, Nail, mm-hmm. Uh, you, if you move further than your opponent then your opponent can take as many turns as they like until catch they catch up, up with you yeah. once they surpass you then you can have your turn yeah uh, which is not a mechanism i have ever enjoyed i think high rise was the most tolerable in that regard for me yeah i think it worked well mm. um and like you were saying there's there are decisions of what can i afford to skip over is does it come up somewhere else on the board and i can engineer it so i can get that resource or whatever in a different space so I can mm. do this action now or do I have to stop here because I really need to do this thing right now and and potentially skip ahead and let someone else take quite a few actions catching up 
If this sounds exciting, High Rise is going to be the feature game of our next episode on the podcast. And you, sadly, we're not doing a video, which is a shame because there's these really nice Quan Chai Moria illustrated mm. skyscraper pieces. Yeah, they're great. And they're all named. They're all named <laughs> and they're very tall, some of them. Their, their height is based on, you know, their level effectively yeah. because uh, the more resources you're able to spend on a building uh, based on its demand, the more the higher you can make it and yeah. that's that's a really fun element and and also there's these little attachments that you can put on top like <laughs> to making your building taller. yeah so the highest the highest possible building is a 15 yeah but you could get a 17 because there's what an attach you could even get a 19 because you could attach an attachment on top of an I'm attachment i'm not sure that's legal i don't know what they're not going to see as well um is the beautiful kickstarter uh, pieces oh because there's go, nice little wooden pieces nice little, which you can buy yeah now like it it's not a click oh it's like available as an add-on yeah. okay uh -huh. oh that's really yeah. nice yes i know the pieces are <laughs> nice it's one of those games where i there's felt these, like sorry. the physicality mattered yes because we're going to talk very soon about a game where physicality didn't matter um yes and i i enjoyed touching the pieces because the game uh felt like those pieces belonged within its scope, right? The pieces weren't so overdone that, you know, like, oh no, this is just completely superfluous. No, it felt like, okay, this feels right for this game. These nice little wooden blocks that are shaped, so, you know, or this little translucent plastic thing for the inanimate better resource. Rod. Yeah. yeah, inanimate, it looks like an inanimate, it, I can't say <laughs> it, an inanimate carbon rod. That's all I have to say about High Rise. We also played Imperial Spells and Steam, which is a game genre that i don't think anyone knew they wanted but it now exists which is trains and anime so i i've never played uh, anything from level 99 games this is my first experience of them well you know they share a universe right like they have a universe called the indines right, right. so yeah that's what you told me that this game uh imperial is part of a bigger universe. Thematically, yes. Which immediately piqued my interest. So you have uh, Battlecon, uh -huh. something something of the Indines, uh -huh. which there's many different versions. It's a two-player fighting game. It can be more than two-player, but primarily two-player. It's a big system. It's a well-regarded system of fighting games, so simulating genres like, you know, games like Street Tekken. Fighter or Tekken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's over 100 characters, there's different modes. It's a big thing. Then there's the characters from that game then are university professors in a different game, mm -hmm. which, of course, makes sense. Why not? I mean, why not? You know, they, they beat each other up and then they teach lectures. You know? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and now they're owners of train companies in this magical world. And there's one train company that is trains that are undead and ghosts. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you know the translucent trains? So you get these little oh, plastic trains. yeah. With a we skull on the front. Played those, no, we haven't played with that faction yet. What did yet. I play? Like the gold mining something. Yeah, something. Golden Sands. Golden Sands. I think, which is a vaguely Arabic themed. Yeah, even the little train, train like the cow catcher on the train, is like an onion dome. Yeah. <laughs> which um, I thought was quite funny. I, and I, I was playing something else. I can't remember the name of the, the faction. The Blue. The Blue, uh -huh. because I like. The being the blue player but you know every faction has different abilities and so what this game does is unlike other train games it has 
explosive combo potential. So what you're doing is you, when you start the game, you don't have a lot of actions, mm. but you build your spell card tableau. So the more the more you go on, the more spell cards you get, and the more they let you do actions. But there's an an inherent economy that sort of limits you, where you can't just completely go explosive, and you're playing until a certain person delivers. A number of yeah, there's conditions that you have to meet. Deliveries, of delivering. yeah. Delivering, and then you count up points from the things that you've delivered. And uh, we we played our initial game. It's too early to say whether we like the game or not. I think because we found ourselves in a very weird, strange game that I'm not sure I haven't come to grips with yet. It just completely derailed itself towards uh-huh. the end. <laughs> well, it did because yeah, it did. The, yeah. The because, threads came apart. Yeah, you started rushing the game end, and then I realized that if you rush too far, I have to start catching uh-huh. up with you. So we pretty much ignored any engine building anymore. But like, I know that happens in games to an extent, but in this game, it felt like it was literally off the rails. Like, it yeah, just let me clarify went. that. I didn't yeah. rush the game end because I wasn't enjoying it. I was rushing the game end because I had to play in an aggressive way in order yeah. to win. I didn't win. <laughs> In the end. You were pretty close. Yeah, our scores were pretty close, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, it was a few points apart or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And and so it felt very strange and very unruly. And I'm not sure we enjoyed ourselves because you had a very good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was that we were building up this tableau yeah. that we didn't get to enjoy mm-hmm. because we then pushed it yeah. to end. And that felt anticlimactic. Yeah, what I was doing in the end. So uh, up until about halfway through the game, Mm. I was building these spells that you activate. And then I realized I wasn't winning. Mm -hmm. And I was just enjoying the game. And then at that point, I thought, okay, well, how do I actually try and win this game? And I realized I had to play a lot more aggressively. And I realized that there was... Uh, certain actions that I just needed to do again and again and again and again and again. Mm. And that would get me a lot more points than what I was actually doing, which was enjoying yeah. testing out different spells and things. No, you have to. And and I think so it became very rote what I was doing. And I think mm. my last four turns were identical. They were. You were doing exactly the same thing over mm. and over again, just to make, making sure that you would score points mm. and, and, and get get there first before i did strange game we're definitely going to play more of it Mm. i I know this wasn't really a big grandiose explanation of what it is but i'm sure we'll cover imperial more in the future i i think for me just i i'm not sure if you agree with this point or or not it felt like um you know when a game is based on an ip Mm. and the game isn't necessarily very strong but people forgive it because, oh, it's Star Wars or it's yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. And for me, it kind of felt like that, that it was a pleasant enough game, but mm. it wasn't very strong. And it was relying on this knowledge that, are, that people have of it yeah. being in this world. I see what you mean. Maybe there were a lot of thematic trappings like, uh, so a, when you build a map, it has a bunch of different types of terrain mm. and all the terrain is themed after some sort of fantastical element from this world that right. sounded completely made up and <laughs> yeah because and... i joked uh, we played yeah. terra mystica because it had yeah. the board looked like, like terra mystica and honestly the theme may felt about as cohesive and as intriguing as the theme in terra mystica yeah instead of lava you had 
Levithium or something <laughs> like that, right? And sure, it had a funnier name, but nothing about that lava terrain no. made me feel like it was no and it wasn't like we were getting into it we were going okay i'm gonna go on the mountains or i'm gonna go on the red or yeah. i'm gonna go on the yellow or sand or yeah. whatever saying like, that there is a spectacular array of options and yes. different abilities yeah that's and exciting powers there's so much more to explore there's many factions the the box this game comes in is ginormous and gigantic and it was like a reverse TARDIS. Like there was this enormous box and then we laid it on the table and it could have fitted in like a shoe box. Well, I, don't, it wasn't I, didn't, a shoe I box. didn't know why this box was so big. No. But but then when we packed it away, like it has these inserts and everything yeah. for where everything goes. So it, it makes sense. But I mean, I think uh, one of the games that made the rounds recently was the Suburbia Deluxe Edition. Yeah. Where all the, all the Suburbia with, I think, 24 different player colors or something like that yeah it's not an exaggerated uh -huh. no, number yeah. it's something it was like, like lime that. green and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah mint green yeah so, so people got that box so think of that box yeah. this is this is something the size of that yeah. right uh so when we laid it out on the table it didn't feel like much but maybe because it was a a two-player game and this game goes yeah up to maybe six yeah. i think yeah, or five you might have a point there and and also because we were just, you know, dipping our toes into it and, and not really exploring everything that box has to no. offer yet. But and we were, uh, the spells we did have were quite basic ones. Yes. And we could see that there was others still in the box or in the ones that you could uh, take out afterwards uh, that were a lot more interesting, that did different things. Yes. And we never quite got to those because we pushed through Yes, but is that a problem in the game in general? Oh, no. if, if that's well, if that's how you play the game, if well, if you push the game to win, right? Because you, if someone is pushing the game towards an ending, right, you can't stop them. You can't go, don't do that. There's there's no mechanism to interact with another player by going, oh, okay. Well, if you're rushing the end of the game, yeah, I th I think you're right. But if I'd have been playing this with other people, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have probably just played the game. Well, someone else would have it. done it. Well, yeah, well, that's up to them, isn't it? Finally, I really want to talk about a game that I didn't expect to wow me as much as it did. And that game is so far the best city building game that I have played. <laughs> it's the best non-Gloomhaven game on this podcast. It's Sprawlopolis. Yeah, you loved it, didn't you? I absolutely fell in love with it. <laughs> it's a game that comes in a wallet. Mm. It has a total of 18 cards and a rule book. Mm-hmm. And you can I am, put it in your back pocket. I am not a person that's obsessed with minimalism. I actually quite like sprawling things. Uh, but, Funny. <laughs> but I really enjoyed Sprawlopolis. I thought it was delightful. And what it manages to achieve with 18 cards, what you're doing is you're building a city. Uh, it has all the city building game trappings of uh, you're creating districts. Uh -huh. Those districts are going to score you points mm -hmm. for various criteria. Some and will give you minus points. Some will give you minus points. You're trying to avoid the minus points as you're building it and, you know, get bigger districts. Yeah, or and it gives you certain yeah. uh, things that give you extra points. Also. Yes, exactly. So the clever thing is you only play with 15 of the 18 cards. The other three cards are turned over backwards. And those are your extra free scoring conditions. Mm. They also have numbers on them. And you add those numbers together. And that's the target number of victory points you have to beat mm. in this game. That's a really clever 
mechanism. It's such a clever mechanism. So because each objective is weighted at how hard it is to yeah. achieve. And then it just gives you a target number and then you go. And then when you play, it's a cooperative game. So if you're playing more with more than one player, you you have three cards and another player has one card. If, if it's your turn, you have the free cards. You play one card, you pass the other two, you draw a new card. Now you have one card, the other player has free cards. They play one card, do the same. It keeps going until all the cards are gone. And what was weird is because you play a card and then pass them on. Yes. You know what the other person has. So you can, you, it says, the rules say you can talk about the cards. As long as you don't show the other person what you have in your hand, you can talk about them mm. before you place them. And it's it's weird because you know what they have, and it's yeah. almost like in um, Magic Maze where you you want to go. I, you should play this card, play this card, <laughs> but you don't. You also don't want to do that because yeah, it's, you, rude. it's rude. It's <laughs> rude. It's really rude. Yeah. Uh, and then they even, but even when they've played a card, you can say, okay, I think maybe it would be better if you put it like this. And we both did that. We. Mm. It really was a cooperative experience. Like uh, we really were helping each other. To, to place these cards. So I've been, I, I've listened to this interview uh, with Cole Burley, designer of Root. Yeah. Um, and it was on the Space Biff podcast oh, uh-huh. uh, by Dan Thoreau. Uh-huh. And uh, Cole was talking about uh, game design and something he likes in game design. He was talking about Oath and, and some other games. And he reaffirmed something that I've been thinking about a long time is... Uh, a game sometimes when it when it when the game's idea is being developed it feels like sometimes games don't understand its scope in time you know mm-hmm. how is it representing what you're doing mm-hmm. within the scope of time and of course it's something that uh, i'm not going to talk about oh right now that's a subject for later <laughs> uh, but like a game you know has a different idea uh, sometimes than what you have, or sometimes it has no idea. Sometimes you're playing in a scope of time that is completely opaque. I would attribute that to Original Taste Gloomhaven, where you have no idea how much time the actual, the entire adventure, the entire campaign spans. It's sort of nebulous because people retire, new ones comes uh-huh. in, new, new people come in, and you, you have no idea whose quest it really is, apart from it's from <laughs> yours, but within the world, you know, what's the motivation, right? That's something the Jaws of the Lion addresses as well. We didn't sure. talk about this in the sure. video, but there's a sense like, oh, okay, we're the Jaws of the Lion. Yeah. Right? This is our goal. This is our adventure. Yeah. Gloomhaven does not have that. It's lost and muddled in a nebulous timescape. Uh-huh. Where am I getting with this? I don't know. Right. It's something to do with Sprawlopolis. Yes, exactly. So Sprawlopolis is a city building game, right? So its scope is the entire life of a modern city. Right. Oh, I know where you're getting with this. In that, I think that you can overcover cards. Yes. Is that what you're saying? This yeah. is the only city building game yes. that lets you do that. <laughs> it lets you cover what you've already built. And that is so momentous. But you can't place underneath cards that you've already put down because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, right. You, you have to demolish. Right? Yeah. yeah, you have to yeah. overbuild it. And um, you really liked that, actually. That I, it blew the, my brain. This is how the city looks now. And these are the points that we're scoring now, currently, but are, let's play these cards and this card. And now these, the city looks totally different because on each card, yeah. the card is divided into four. Yes. Uh, and there's like park, um, industrial, industrial, offices, whatever, you know. Four yeah. different things. Residential. And, yeah, yeah, residential, yeah. Uh, and 
you see like the residential area grow bigger and mm. then it grows smaller as you put other things or the park area grow bigger or the yeah. yeah it's it's really neat it's not only neat the decision space that that opens up is gigantic mm. imagine being able to play a card like where the city you're building is the cards you're laying them down you add them together you play 15 cards over the course of the game so if you play 12 yeah you know your table is already sprawling appropriately yeah. right and then you can put another card anywhere you like <laughs> and so everything a, has implications i have a question for you then yes uh in this game, you can leave gaps. Yes. So you don't have to have the cards exactly aligned. Yes. What is that in um, the scope of a city? I would say that is spaces that just are abandoned, right? Uh -huh. Like they ha they serve wasteland. no purpose. Yeah, they're wasteland, right? Or they're a tear in reality. I think that's more likely. Okay. I, I think we'll have to return to Sprolopolis at some point, in some form, in some fashion because uh, we have been blown away by it. Mm. We're going to go on to games that we're excited about yeah. and very briefly mention Tassi Masi yes. by Elizabeth Hargrave because these two games came in together. They're from the same company, Button yeah. Shy Games. So another game that's in a little wallet. Yes. That you can fit in your back pocket. You can, you can fit it anywhere. You can fit it in your front your pocket, <laughs> in your back pocket, not up your nose. Oh, okay. Board Kids games, don't put games up your nose. Board games are not nose food. No, Elaine. that's true. I'm excited about Tassi Massey because I like the idea of uh, the Victorian language of flowers. Mm -hmm. I I know it's probably nonsense, but you know, do you know what it is? No, please so don't. It was used as to like a way of communicating. I might get this wrong because I haven't studied this. So this is just mm -hmm. what I know from the world. It was a way of communicating. So. If you wanted to jilt your lover, you would wear a certain flower and be like, right. or like give them a certain flower yeah, uh, to say, I just want to be friends or whatever. Or you would, you would give them, it's like, you know, you'd only give people it's in the language of symbols, flowers. right? Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. indicating something without saying it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it was a yeah. big thing in Victorian times. But so that's what Tussie Mussie is. So we've gone a little bit off topic, but that's what Tussie Mussie is. And it, at the end of the day, it's also an 18 card card game, yes. and we're looking forward yes. to it. What else are we looking forward to, Elaine? We're still looking forward to Root. We still <laughs> haven't played Root with the new expansions. Uh, we wanted to play it, but we realized that the bot faction, because this we're still two of us, we're still quarantining, we're still not going out. Uh, we realized that the two of us are not going to manage to get no. to play a good game of Root. Because the bot included in the base game and even the reprinted version 2 of the Mechanical Marquee mm. is rubbish. And of course, because when we backed the Kickstarter, we didn't think, oh yeah, solo variant for Root, that's what we want. <laughs> no. No, so we asked... Silly us. We asked Leader Games if they would kindly send us a copy and they did. And we promised to live stream it, which now terrifies me because I have to play Root in front of people and be like, yeah, I am actually rubbish at this game because I haven't played it in years and we're oh, trying I'm new things out. Oh, i yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll have fun. We'll have fun. All right. We have too many bones. Oh, my God. we're looking forward to. So Chip, we have many, many too many bones. Chip Theory Games, who, by the way, can I say, out of all the game publishing companies that put out a statement in regards to Black Lives Matter, I was most impressed by theirs. Because they were very direct and very actionable. And they said, this is what we have done that is stupid and wrong. And this is what we're going to do. And their actions felt like they spoke 
so much about what they could change mm. and you know they, they they're clearly thinking forward i'm very impressed with youtube theory games please keep doing what you're doing uh anyway they send us a whole bucket load of too many bones you might say they send us too many i d- I'd made that joke already oh no i didn't i said many 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 many, many too many bones too too many too many bones that's it i i've deflated the <laughs> atmosphere with that didn't i anyway we're looking forward to playing that because it looks cool yes there we, we go. Um, we we might. Um, I mean, we're sad at the moment because we were planning to play it in a swimming pool, and of course, the swimming pools aren't open at the moment. Uh, so we'll just have to play it at home instead. Maybe in the kitchen sink or in a bucket of water. Not in the bathroom like we did with Cloud Spire. No, we've done that. Yeah. If people are not familiar, with what we're referring to is the fact that Chip Theory games are entirely waterproof. But um, why was that a pun? It wasn't a pun. It was like you know. I, we we delivered the explanation after oh, the punchline. I see. And, yeah. We are also uh, well. I'm looking forward to uh, Chai and the High Tea uh, expansion. So I know about Chai. Uh, yeah. It was a game that went on Kickstarter. Yeah. I never played it. Have you played it? Uh, no, I've never. So I had a a tiny demo when at we were one at point of it when we. Possibly when we're at Shucks. It was so long ago. I don't. Mm. I can't remember. The Kickstarter for the expansion has just finished. Uh, the high tea expansion, and it introduces apparently loads more teas from all around the world, like from different cultures, mm-hmm. and that excites me. I that sounds exciting. It sounds also like we're not going to be playing this game for a while yet. True. But uh, when it comes out, we'll make sure to get our hands on it. You're excited about it, which means I'm going to be excited about it. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And that's all the games we're excited about. It's now time to instead grump about a game. But you're not grumping about a game. I'm grumping about a game feature. What are you grumping about today, Efka? I have been keeping this inside of me for so long. And finally... I get to speak out about game inserts. This is partly inspired by the voluptuous insert that comes with Imperial Spells and Steam. Mm -hmm. Imperial Spells and Steam, whilst it has an insert that's way too big and it's making the space in the box expand to ridiculous proportions, taking up so much of my shelf space where other board games could go. But that's not really what I'm upset about. What I'm upset about is not only the carbon footprint that the plastic in the inserts creates, because, I mean, I don't know if baggies are better. Maybe something made out of plastic that's just, you know, in there and keeps everything together. Did you see that thing about there being like little cardboard envelopes? I saw that. That's Mm. cool, right? So cardboard envelopes is definitely a better way to go. Someone's making games uh, that fit into cardboard envelopes instead of boxes. Uh, and I think that's already a cool idea. But what I'm talking about specifically are inserts that are 99% there, mm. but they skimp on that 1% and therefore become completely useless. <laughs> because what my what is my criteria of a good insert? So it has know. to it has to fulfill two functions. First of all, it has to make the setup of the game easier, right? It has to make it a more accessible product yeah. that Makes like sense. everything's yep. faster. You know, you just take it out and it works. And the second, and this is even more important, is that when you have an insert, you have to have it so that it keeps the game organized whilst you're, say, turning the box vertically. 
or upside down, <laughs> you know, as you put it in your backpack and you take it. Has it has to stabilize the yeah, game. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because if I have to take a game, I know not a lot of people are taking games places right now because you just don't go places right now. And that's, that's fine. But, you know, the world's going to return to normal and people are going to be taking their games and carrying them to clubs, cafes, whatever, right? Friends, houses. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. What's the point of having an insert if before I take a game to a friend's house, I have to take out the insert and put everything into baggies? Because if I don't do that, when I open the box, it's going to be an entirely disjointed mess of components everywhere, just flying about the box and nothing is sorted out or organized. It's annoying. What's the one thing that could stop that from happening? A lid. You know, you already put a lot of plastic in your game, right? A lid is going to be just a little bit, and I don't mean the lid on the box, I mean the lid on the insert, you know? Something that also specifically has um, a sort of submerged level where each... So it's like vacuum molded, Yeah, right? exactly, yeah, where each tray, you know, is or not tray, or compartment, you know, is separated, so, so the lid actually goes into the compartment. So few games have done this, and the ones that have worked perfectly. The gallerist by Vita Lacerda yeah. has that insert where you just you just put the insert on top and then no matter where you take the game, you know that pieces aren't going to fly around or fall out. <laughs> and even he didn't keep up with it. His other games don't have that. And as a consequence, if I put the game vertically in my backpack, because that's the only way that on Mars is going to fit, uh -huh. I'm going to take it out. It's going to be all over the place. Unless you buy one of those bags that are like pizza box bags yeah exactly right or some some are very clever about it they don't use the lid but they use like an insert where it's so perfectly flush to the box that it's never nothing's ever gonna fall yeah. out then that's fine i'm okay with that that's even better because you use less plastic that way but do something where all this plastic isn't just useless and i have to throw it away into the recycling bin because i'm never going to use it publishers this is a wake-up call for you <laughs> No, I'm. I mean it. I know. I because you are contributing to the detriment of our environment. You know, I read an article today that said we have to basically we have half a year to sort our stuff out. Really? Yeah, we. Ha and I, I feel like I've read that article every half a year over the past five years, sure. which means it's probably too late by now. Probably. But don't make it worse. You know, it's going to be probably horrible in our lifetimes, and then you're all going to be like. Gee, if only I knew 20 years ago that I wasn't supposed to do that. Well, no, you did. Everyone told you 20 you know, years ago as of now. I read a whole thread of tweets about like game inserts. Mm. And there were a couple of people that said, well, when I get a game, I just take the, the insert out, the plastic insert, and throw it in the bin. Because it, it doesn't do anything and it just takes up space. That's wasteful, isn't it? But, but it's not it's their true. fault. It's not their fault. It's because it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm 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 incredibly disappointed by how pervasive this problem is and how many times mm -hmm. they don't get it right. And so many times it is just a matter of, well, if this had a lid, it would work. So many times you think, hey, I've put it all back in the box perfectly. And then you take the game somewhere and you find chits in the bottom of your knapsack. Yep. Because <laughs> they've squeezed their way out of the box entirely. Yep. I know it's not... The most world-ending issue, but my word publishes inserts. If you do them, think practically about how you do them. Think what is going to be the purpose 
of this insert and whether the way you do it is going to achieve that purpose. Mm. Elaine, it's time for a new segment. <laughs> Elaine says something nice about a game. Is that how it's called? Yeah, or it doesn't have to be about a specific game. Okay. Just something... Positive. Positive, I think so. I would like to hear something positive. So it's not going to be a rant like like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you can contribute to this. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to mention, so because of this whole pandemic thing, um, I think I've been looking up, I was looking up more sort of um, print and play type, mm-hmm. type games, even though we've got a thousand games in our house anyway, yeah. like... I was still well, we're reviewers. We're we're at, we're on the cutting, bleeding edge of cardboard. For sure, or, or paper, because if it comes out of a printer, we can never slow down. I mean, no, we have to no. keep going. And uh, but it was just for us, really, just in case. No, it's more that I'm a disasterist, and I was panicking that we might run out of games to play, <laughs> and so I had to find more games okay. to play. Okay. Um and uh. I came across, so, you know, Water Bear Games. Uh, no. So they're a company that, that um, they're a publisher that did like Bees. Uh, do you know the game Bees? I've heard of Bees. Uh, and Discount Salmon. Uh, anyway, so there is... Discount a, Salmon, not yeah. Happy Salmon. No, not Happy Salmon, Okay. No. Uh, Discount Salmon. There's, it, they're not new games. They're, they're fairly old games by now, like 2016, 2013. Right, okay. Um, and so, but they have some print and play uh, discount salmon and stuff on their website which is really really kind but what i found on there was uh the game acquire so it's a really old game and i think emma from pointless parrot podcast said it was the first game she ever played or something like this i, I know that a lot of people have spoken highly of acquire it's yeah. quite an old game is yeah. that a sid saxon game yes um so what they did so i think the game is from like 19 19- 76 or yeah, something. Yeah, it's quite old. Um, yeah. um, but what they have on their website is they like the game so much uh, that uh, Marcus and Kara uh, from Water Bear Games came up with, they, they redesigned the cards that are in uh, Acquire. Artistically? Artistically. So mm. so Kara does all the artwork for Water Bear Games and mm. it's it's lovely, lovely artwork. Every It's cute and nice and, and sweet. But the artwork for Acquire is just, it just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not, it's just the colors that, that they use. And what really struck me about it is that, that idea of liking a game so much that you want to add your mark to it and you want to improve it. Mm-hmm. And, and you, and we, because we were talking about this before, mm-hmm. weren't we? About customizing a game and making it your own and how how do you do that and i think that is one really super way and you can download so you still would need the game to be able to play it mm-hmm. but on their website you can download and print out if you want to just to have that nice art the the cards yeah. from that game and cards can be uh printed professionally online as well yeah. there's services where you can just say yeah. hey i want these cards nicely done and someone will do that for you and, and mail it, them to you. The, it's so sweet. They've put it on there. It, it, it's free. You yeah, don't have you to pay anything it. for yeah. it. You can just have it. That's very um, nice. And, and Discount Salmon is on there as a print and play for free. And I think that was, that's a really nice thing to do. And we spoke about in the past, a long time ago, customizing, taking one game mm-hmm. and just customizing it. And we've never quite found 
the game yet. No. That, that we like so much that we want to do that. Um, but it's something that I would still quite like to do in the future. Probably not for a choir because we neither of us Probably have played it. Probably not for a choir, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it. It's lovely that it's out there and people can use it. Yeah. I, that's a really nice thing. Elaine, you have exceeded my expectations with your new segment, <laughs> speaking about a nice thing about a game. That was certainly a nice thing. Thank you very much. Let's talk about one of my favorite genres of game. Escape room games. And it's also one of my favorite genres too. So we played... Scarlet, sorry, Sherlock, I messed it up already. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Scarlet Thread Murder. That's a mouthful. Yeah, is, isn't it? Is, is the adventure better than the title? Yes, it's part of the Unlock uh, Heroic Adventures series. And yes, the adventure is better than the title. It's worth mentioning that Unlock uh, comes in two different modes, but whether you're based in North America or not, if you're based in North America. I believe that's including Canada, I'm not sure. Uh, if you want to get the specific adventure that we're talking about, you can because Heroic Adventures will come in three separate packs and each adventure as part of the Unlock Heroic Adventures will have its own pack. Mm. Whereas if you live anywhere else, you will have to buy the Heroic Adventures box. Individually. Uh, and all three of them come together. There's an Alice in Wonderland themed one. Mm, and, which and I'm really excited about. And there's also an 8-bit themed one? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think so. It's kind of yeah old video games. Yeah. Uh, so, but we're talking specifically about the Sherlock Holmes yes. one. And uh, it was delightful. I, I, I find that it so happened to be a very good continuation of the last episode. And so we were discussing uh, Exit the Theft on the Mississippi, yes. I believe it was called. Yes. And so that had like a... A puzzly solve a case whilst you're escaping from a room. It had those two elements counterbalancing mm. each other. Mm. And that was also riffing on another exit game, which also had a mystery in it. And that was, uh, I believe, Murder on the Orient Express. Express. I think so. It was something to do with the Orient Express, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And, and that was... So our conclusion last time was that uh, Murder on the Orient Express was the better version yeah. of, of that Murder adventure. Murder on the Mississippi. Yeah. Theft on the Mississippi. So now we're yeah. jumping up, jumping over to the different game system, mm. Unlock, and mm. its own version of that escape room game that also has, well, in this case, very obviously a murder mystery <laughs> because it's a Scarlet Fred murder. Mm. And I think out of all of these, this is the best one. I think this is my favorite too. I was delighted by how it worked because uh, unlike in uh, Exit, I had a very strong sense that there wasn't a specific moment of like, huh, okay, well, like we've, we've gathered all this evidence and now we're going to solve a case. Mm. Everything wasn't quite in your face. It's still that. Mm. Don't get me wrong. All of these escape room games, the ways, the way they're structured, you know, you have a moment where you have to do this or you have to do that. But because of the way that Unlock is structured as a series, it's very good at obfuscating that and yeah. making you not feel like you're being pigeonholed into a specific part that you must do right now. Mm. instead i had the sense of like okay we're piecing evidence together and you know we're getting information and then we're gonna solve something right and this is cool how did you feel yeah i thought it was a really excellent use of the escape room 
genre, mm-hmm. actually. Bringing in... I, I know Sherlock Holmes has kind of been done to death a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. But having, having that kind of murder mystery mm-hmm. within an escape room... There was no room to escape. Yeah. It was all about solving this murder. Mm. And I think I really enjoyed it because I I actually do like the Sherlock Holmes, you know, Consulting I mean, detective I, I wouldn't, game I wouldn't or, mind yeah. if it was Columbo, like it, yeah. or Hattie, Hattie Wainthrop, whatever. I just like being the detective or helping the detective. You like the detective genre and you like to be an active participant. Right, yes. exactly. Okay. And I think that's why this worked so well for me because the puzzles weren't impossibly hard. Oh no, they were definitely not on the difficult side no and it it was so when you get the the box of three Mm -hmm. they are kind of rated one difficulty two difficulty three difficulty and this was the middle one yeah um and it wasn't super hard like you said Mm -hmm. but there were a couple of puzzles that we we did scratch our head over a little bit yeah and i felt like this is going to sound really arrogant, but I felt kind of like Sherlock Holmes would feel like, well, mm. this is easy. Let's, yeah. let's do this. And then for whatever reason, <laughs> that felt really neat. But then there were those little bits that we couldn't solve mm-hmm. quite as quickly. And I think, I think we did it in about an hour, didn't we? Yeah. Whereas I, that's the quickest we've ever done. Yeah. We just went unlocking. bang, bang, bang. One of us took us, one of them took us three days, whatever. <laughs> um, the squeak and sausage. Oh God, the ending uh, of that we uh-huh. just couldn't figure out. No, and then well, no, okay. Just for those who have played squeak and sausage and were like, oh, I know that ending. No, we figured it out. We just applied it incorrectly, yeah. And then we spent the next three days trying to figure uh-huh. out a different solution, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it turns out we were right all along, annoyingly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, we we got this one in about an hour and there were puzzles in it that didn't quite gel immediately and that was cool too mm-hmm. because we came up against this roadblock of, well, what do we do now? And between us, we got there. That's the best moment it in an really escape was. room game, right? It really Where, was. Where like, I don't see something, you don't see something. We put our brains together and it's suddenly like we mold into a cohesive organism. Right. A puzzle solving machine, if right. you will, right? Because we both have different skills. Yeah, right? in In puzzle yeah. solving. Mm. I think you're good at analysis mm-hmm. and I'm good at observation of things. Yes. And I think together that works pretty well. Having said that, it wasn't so easy. I've made it sound super easy. It wasn't mm. so easy that we just went bang, bang, bang. Okay, it's done. Yeah, no, it was still Each challenging. Each bit was a puzzle. Yeah, but just about enough. And it, it yeah. gave me that serotonin satisfaction of like, I've done it, mm. on to the next one. Oh, I know what how this is going to work. Or, oh, I'm not sure what this is yet, you know? Yeah, I think also after Exit, and, and this isn't a slight against Exit. I love the Exit mm-hmm. g- um, games. Series, yeah. Series, thank you. But it felt very pure as an escape room puzzle. Oh, yeah. Because in <laughs> without spoiling anything, in Exit, there's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of different places you have to look. Yeah. And in this, it was very straightforward. Here's some puzzles, solve them, move on. Yeah, I think one of the things we found as we were playing Exit that it was trying, it was running out of space. Yeah, I think right? we said that, didn't we? Yeah. In, in, a, in a puzzle environment, it was... It was reaching the limit of what new things it could do Mm. as a system 
and unlock well okay to be fair like heroic adventures isn't quite as far into the unlock timeline yeah. as the right. theft on the mississippi is in the exit timeline but it still felt like unlock was just going hey we're keeping it fresh we're keeping it real because i think its system is less constricted because it's pure it's just yes. like images numbers you yeah. add them together you get a new number and then you keep going the creativity comes from outside of that mm. right like it's like oh how how can we integrate these puzzles into the system mm. whereas exit seems to be thinking more internally like okay we have the system how 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 does this puzzle you know how do we make the system have more puzzles right i think mm. that's what it's doing and it feels like they're branching off into two very different directions yeah and I'm I'm liking Unlock more and more. I always liked Unlock more, but it was neck and neck. And now I feel like the fact that there's artwork and it paints a visual picture, mm. it's becoming the dominant escape okay. room system for me. I think for me, they are still neck and neck. I mean, they, to they're use your analogy. Yeah, they're still pretty close because they're both great games, right? Mm. And if anyone said to me, oh, which one would you recommend? You know, if you forced me to answer that question, I would say unlock. Okay. But if you didn't force me, it'd be like, just buy any one of them. What, whichever one looks good to you, right? You're going to have fun. I think now, now they've come a little bit further. I think at the beginning, mm. I, I agreed with you that that they weren't the same, but they they yeah. filled the same gap. Well, Whereas now, yeah, I feel like they fill different gaps in, in when I want to play a puzzle, when mm -hmm. I want to solve a puzzle... If I want something that is really meaty and I know I'm going to have to tear things up and cut things up and make puzzles yeah. and to solve them, yeah. then I would like to play Exit. If I want a more straightforward puzzler... Like just an adventure, right? An adventure, yeah, yeah that's, that's more story-based. Maybe not so much story, but more kind of like a cohesive environment that it presents you, right? A little world. Yeah, a little world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I would agree with that. I wouldn't say that it's a strong narrative no, system. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's what I meant by story. It, mm. it has this little world. And it's. I think Unlock is a lot more uh, light-hearted. Mm -hmm. It might just be the scenarios that we've played. But even... Th this was a murder case, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was still quite light-hearted. Whereas Exit mm. is very serious. Would we recommend... Sherlock Holmes Absolutely. and the Scarlet Thread Murder. Absolutely. I would also recommend it. I'm looking forward to the next episode where we try a non-unlock, non-exit system because there's there's a lot of unlock and exit that we're probably going to be playing and reviewing yeah. as we go through these. But let's try something different. I yeah, have a, I, I have a few games stashed away that I've been looking forward to breaking out and just seeing whether those systems are any good or not. So. I am so looking forward to the Alice in Wonderland one though. We'll definitely we get back. That soon. We we will get back to that soon. I promise you that. Is it now our feature game? Have we reached that point? It is now our feature game. Wow, that came about quicker than I thought it would be. Quicker than a box load of bees. What? No. All right. Do the bees carry the box? Yeah. Sure. Like they're inside the box, but sure. they're flapping their wings so hard, and there's so many of them that they physically lift the box. And then it's very quick as well. Yes. I'm not sure I can deal with that imagery. No. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, it's time to talk about Undaunted North Africa. See, I got the name right again. And 
Wow, what a surprise that was. So just to give a brief history of Undaunted Normandy, the previous version of the game, uh, we reviewed it and we thought, hey, this is a cool, clever deck building system that's integrated with the World War II themed game. And I don't like it because it has a lot of dice rolling and it made me very annoyed. And It's a bit random and a bit restrictive. Yeah, a bit random, a bit restrictive, a bit mechanical. Mm. Um, a lot of people liked it a lot. Mm. Uh, I liked it more than you. Yeah, you also. definitely liked it more than me. And I just had a bad time with it, yeah. you know. Uh, and now comes Undaunted North Africa. And I thought, well, how different can this be? Turns out not a lot. But what I mean by that is that mechanically, it's still very similar. Yeah, it adds a few things. But it feels like an entirely different game to me. Good. And in a good way as good. well. So what is Undaunted North Africa? It's a deck builder where your deck <laughs> are soldiers. Yeah. And you are playing a one versus one game where one side plays one faction, the other side plays another faction. You build a terrain out of square tiles and you are given a number of scenarios in the box. In this case, 11. In mm -hmm. Undaunted Normandy, you had 10. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll and believe you. I don't remember that. You pick a scenario. You pick a side that tells you how to construct your initial deck out of soldiers. And then you have a shop of soldiers. If that's sort of... I'm sorry. The thematically horrible to describe soldiers as a shop. Mm. And it's not called that in the game. No. But for the purposes of understanding deck building mechanisms. Because you buy more cards to shop. put into your deck. It's a shop of soldiers. Um Let's just deal with that imagery somehow in our brains. You said that you can choose a scenario, which yes. you can. You can just jump in. Into any but, scenario. But what's quite nice is if you play it from the beginning to the end, it covers time. It spans the time of the war. Talking of time, I want to address uh, once again, we've, we've talked about the scope of time when we talked about Sprolopolis earlier in the podcast. We talked about mm. scope of time and how a game represents the scope of time, and I think one of the big changes as well, and this is a very sort of spiritual change, uh -huh. but how Normandy represented time and how North Africa represents okay. time. So in Normandy, when you played the game, you very much felt like, okay, so this is a war skirmish. Uh, soldiers are going to go in. They're going to shoot at each other. There's going to be a bloody battle. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point it's going to mm -hmm. be over. It's sort of represented war. Undaunted North Africa represents a very different feeling. And so one of the ways it does that thematically already is by saying your token doesn't represent an entire squad of soldiers. It just represents a single soldier. And the multiple cards that refer yeah. to that token are the same person. They're just kind of like hit points. Yeah. Whereas before they were like different people in the same squad and whenever you lost a card you had to remove the card from your from the game because you know that soldier wasn't there anymore now you still remove the card from the game but it just represents that person becoming weaker you know but you can still buy more from the shop yeah i think what <laughs> what i'm trying to say is that it's a way it respects what it's trying to do okay. thematically in terms of scope but what it actually does in terms of scope is how the entire game feels because in undaunted north africa you don't feel like there's a long protracted battle you feel like someone busted down the door went bam bam yeah. someone's dead the adventure's yeah, over let's so. go home right it's that's very it. quick i was just flabbergasted at how this 
much bigger feeling in scope because there's more rules, there's more things, there's a symmetry now. Mm. And we just went in and it was over in 15 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck just happened, right? And it doesn't feel any less of a game. For no, that. I prefer it for that. Yeah. Because there is that element of randomness mm. and... It can be quite swingy as well, uh, particularly if one person is rolling well and one person isn't rolling so well, or or you make poor decisions, whatever. It can be quite swingy. And when it's all over in 15, 20 minutes, it yeah. kind of doesn't matter. Mm. And you go, well, that was that battle done. Mm. Mm. And, and but, but then you come away with a sense of... That was that battle done. Yeah, and then you start re-examining <laughs> everything that happened, every card that yeah. was played and what that represented thematically. And, and how did I play it differently yeah. from how it really played out in real life? Like, where did the Jeeps go? How did the Italians move? How did... What happened? But it's not just that. You start thinking about how each move... The, like, where are you to do something different? How oh, that yeah. would have reverberated? And... And you get all that sense in the scope of... What if I'd move this yeah. scout instead of this, you know, whatever... Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, right? So I've never played a war, game that, a war game that was this simple, this quick, and no. just explosively illustrative of a war scene. No game ever made me feel like that. Elaine, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how it plays? You have cards, as you already mentioned, uh, and you have a deck of cards, which are your soldiers. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the beginning of the round, you will take four of those cards, uh, which you have in your hand, and then you will play one of those cards as your initiative. Which you simultaneously reveal, right? Right. And there is a toss-up between, do you use a card that has a high value so that you're kind of guaranteed to go first, almost, maybe, mm -hmm. Or do you play a card that has a lower initiative value but has a, a lesser ability on it? So do you waste that kind of good ability on a card? So your, your soldiers are kind of ranked, I guess. Yes. So your sergeant has yeah. like an eight or whatever. Right. Your lieutenant has a nine. Uh -huh. your... and, and then your fog of war yeah. uh, has a one. And mm. the only thing that you can do with the fog of war is play it as initiative. So you want to get rid of the fog of war. Right. Like, let's pitch it to initiative because you only have three cards then left to play. And three cards never it's feels not a like... not a lot. Yeah, it never feels like a lot. But then you're going to... If you play fog of war, you're probably going to go second, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, though, if you do go second, potentially you might lose one of those three cards because uh -huh. your opponent might kill your unit... And that means that you have to get rid of that card from your hand first. If you have it in your hand. If you have it in your hand. Which is always terrifying. Right. Because... Then you only have two cards. It's not very good if you have two cards. No. And that is a thing that it shares with Undaunted Normandy. Yeah. It's the same system, but there's immediately differences. So the other thing it shares is like most of the actions you can do. You can... You can move with units, but yeah. you can only move into scouted tiles. You can scout with certain cards, like a scout, for example, yep. but then it adds fogs of war into your deck, yeah. and that's bad, but hey, you're expanding the territory where you can go. Right. You can fight, but fighting is based on distance mm -hmm. and also your fighting ability. So if you're fighting with a rifleman and he's shooting his rifle, you're going to roll a die, and you're going to have to meet a target number, which is the defense of whoever you're attacking. Uh -huh. 
and the distance uh-huh. and whatever cover and bonus they might get. What Undaunted North Africa introduces is vehicles. So you will have units, which I don't remember what they are, but yeah. they can drive the tank or they can attack in the tank mm-hmm. or they can do um, and like an anti-tank uh, maneuver procedure whatever it's called yeah where you can directly attack a vehicle yes and some vehicles are great because hey you're in a vehicle the vehicle grants the soldier that's in it extra actions whenever you play a soul a, a card that represents uh-huh. that soldier and you can do cooler things like you can drive the tank around and the other soldiers that are in the tank are coming with you and then they can get out of the tank mm-hmm. and start attacking mm-hmm. but if they get out of the <laughs> tank they're less dependent there's so much more that's added to this game by just this one system. Right. And then you also have, mm. um, I don't remember if it's your lieutenant or your general or who mm. does it, but you can get extra soldiers from the shop. It's probably general. Yeah. You can get extra soldiers from the shop. So you can add those into your deck and make your deck bigger and more useful. So because if you have no scouts, for example, if you lose all your scout units, you can't advance in the map. That's it. You're stuck where you are. So you need to get those extra hit points, I guess. Yes. In order to to carry on expanding. Making sure that your scout is still alive. Right. right? Yeah. That's so. Okay. There's a lot of overlap here with Normandy, yes. apart from the tanks, but, you know, much of it is very similar. What makes this game feel so different to me is that, first of all, there's this sort of, for me, becoming a dreaded word because it's frequently used as a hyping point, as a selling point of a board game, but Uh there is asymmetry now, which there wasn't before. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had two opposing forces, so in the first one it was Axis and Allies, Uh, You know, it's the British versus the Germans, right? And within that, you had two different squads. You had a squad A and squad B. So if you played Rifleman A, you could only activate the Rifleman A token. If you played Rifleman B, you could only activate the Rifleman B token. (laughs) That is largely done away. Yeah. It still exists in this. So, for example... A T-squad. You have an A-squad and a T-squad. And the T-squad is exclusively like a tank squad. Mm. But that's only on one faction. Mm. The other faction doesn't even have that. It's just all one squad. And the change that brought really took me off guard. And it didn't take me off guard until the second scenario. Mm. Because you figured out that if you take out... If you keep shooting at my scout, (laughs) I can't advance. Yeah. And if I can't advance... I can't go to the areas and that get I your need objective. To, yeah, to get my objectives. And I can't win. And no. that's it. And that's all you did. And whilst we played a long and protracted game that took us to a draw, I then later found out from the rules that that's not how the game works. No. If sure. you are ever in a position, which the game claims it's rare, but that very quickly taught me that it doesn't have <laughs> to be rare, that someone can just very quickly engineer that if you're not careful. If you are ever in a position where you can't win, that, that counts as a loss. That's it. Yeah. You've lost, right? Can, can the other person still win? If the answer is yes, can you win? No, that's it. You lost, right? Yeah. And that wasn't so immediately available as an option in the previous system because you had two squads. So if your scout A has been destroyed, you still have your scout B. Yeah. Whereas now, no, no it's just one scout, right? You lose him. You can't advance. And immediately, everyone's lives became so much more precious. Yeah. And I was starting to think a lot more about the system and how it works and how it, how my actions impact what I do, what my purchases impact what I do. Mm. And 
I started to understand that there's a lot more, not just to this minor change, not just to the fact that there's now vehicles and they bring an entirely new strategic depth to mm. the game, but that every scenario was designed with a very different feel and a very different idea of what the system can do. Mm. And it's starting to evoke that, right? So for example, the first scenario was very simple. There's like free buildings. One side needs to secure them with control tokens. Mm. And there's only certain soldiers that can control. So you're trying to protect those soldiers and get them to that location. And then the, you know, I, that was okay. Like I'm coming to grips with the system. It already felt a lot more clever than anything that Undaunted Normandy offered. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you know, in scenario two, it's like, oh, hey, you get a tank. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, let's explore this tank. Oh, no, it's not the tank that's important. It's the lonely scout. If you yeah. lose him, that's it. Yeah. Whew, that blew me away. Yeah, it made you think very differently about how yeah. you keep your units alive and who you need to keep alive. Because your rifleman can shoot, but your lieutenant can shoot. So... That's okay. I mean, that might not be true. I might yeah. have made that up. But there's certainly more than one unit that can shoot, right? Yeah. So then, even though they may shoot better, they're not as important as the scout. Because the scout means you can't do anything. Yeah. You can't move. You can't progress through the map. You can't get the objectives. It's not about how many units you can kill. It's about getting that objective yeah and how do you do that before everyone is taken out one of the things that didn't change is, is the combat system and that was one of my bugbears yeah about the whole thing because it felt like you can't really mitigate luck that much you can you can make decisions like oh hey i could try and edge in closer but that's going to cost me a playing of the rifleman card yes. and because it's a deck builder i'm not sure when i'm going to get the rifleman card back right and that's an important decision that yeah. you have to make as well when mm. is that going to come back up yeah do i play it now and try and shoot and yeah. miss or succeed or you know do i keep buying more riflemen so i can ensure that yeah. you know my rifleman can move and stay alive so that was that was the sort of the meat and potatoes of normandy mm. but now it's not just like whether you know, it's not so much more about the luck. The luck is exactly the same yeah. as it was before. But it's making you think about every tool you have in, in a completely different way mm. than you did before. And I, I say this and I realize that I'm still talking about a game that mechanically works exactly, almost yes. exactly in the same way. And it feels like almost like magic how <laughs> they've taken this game and 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 did changes that feel more holistic than actual yeah. changes and suddenly it feels like a, a whole different thing. What seems more important, and I don't know why it feels more important in Undaunted North Africa, is, and I don't think we've made this clear yet, if for mm -hmm. anyone that hasn't played this, is that each card has multiple actions on it. Yes. So it's not just that your rifleman will shoot, your rifleman will be able to move as well. Mm -hmm. uh, or your scout can move... And possibly shoot also. Or they can or, recon, or which they can means recon. getting rid yes. of Fog of War cards right. if you have them in your hand. Right. And there is a unit that will allow you to claim the objective. It's not just whichever unit gets in first can, yeah. can get that objective. There is a certain unit that can do it. And if mm. you've used that unit for something else, yeah. 
you have to wait until that card comes back out. Mm. And you're you're absolutely right. Like, do you buy more of them mm. and hope that that gives you a better chance of it coming up to the top again? Or do you not use it right now because you need it? You can you can win quicker. You need it to get that objective right now. Mm. Like for some reason it feels way more pertinent in this version so let me take us back to scenario free that we played live on stream yeah uh if you missed that it's probably not on twitch anymore sadly but uh what the story of that game was so we had this uh large battle scape effectively mm. Ooh, large for the size of undaunted north africa right so you were camped all the way on one side <laughs> yeah I was. and you you had these battlements you had these like towns that you were defending high defensive areas i was all the way on the other side uh-huh. i was in cars right you had all these anti-tank units uh-huh. and snipers and i had to you know drive in and and somehow edge my units all the way there and then claim the territory of where you were actually standing mm-hmm. right so my objective was basically how close can i get with cars mm. and then can i get can i get out of that car and can i just dump dump my flag onto the <laughs> town and go it's mine now you uh-huh. know I didn't even have to kill you or anything no. like that. I, ha- I just had to be there, right? Yeah. And I had to get my units alive. And what happened through the course of that game, it was so dynamic and so fast-paced and the ending was so unexpected because, right. and this was nice to play with an audience, you were slaughtering me on my way there, right? Yeah, because I was rolling a lot better. There yeah. was definitely the element of luck. So that already is saying to me hey there's a story here it's not all about strategy it's sometimes about the luck of the draw or the Mm -hmm. roll of the die Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and something's gonna happen and you might expect it or not but the the tension is high the emotions are high you know you're in you're feeling invested so i was driving this little dinky car that kept getting shot and battered and I think I did. I have I had two cars, didn't I? Yeah, you had, yeah, two, I had cars. two cars. And I had to destroy both of your cars before I could get to your soldiers. So you yeah. can't target a soldier that's in a vehicle. You have to have destroyed the vehicle first. Well, no. Any any time you destroy, any time you damage a vehicle, you damage a soldier in the vehicle as well. Sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the the, the difference is, I guess, that the car has its own defense value. Yes. And it depends on what you shoot at it. If you shoot it against like an with an anti-vehicle gun, then the defense value is lower. But if you're shooting at it with a regular gun, then the defense value is higher. Yes. Right. And and so I was somewhat protected in the car. Yes. But then even Very much when, so. Yeah. But even even when I drove up, right, I still had to spend a card to get out of that car and yeah. then i had to redraw that same card somehow miraculously <laughs> and stay alive that entire time to redraw that card to play that card again so i could claim the objective yeah which sounds unlikely so imagine my surprise when i i i drove the vehicle i i dumped it there in front of that town it's getting shot and blasted uh-huh, to bits uh-huh. right and my turn comes and i feel like there is no way i can do anything and I, I had a hand of cards that was basically fogs of war because I had to take those <laughs> fogs of war because I uh-huh. had to drive all the way yeah, across so the map. Yeah, so you had to scout a lot of right? the terrain. Yeah, and then I had one card and that one card said, draw two cards, <laughs> right? So my turn was go second, uh-huh. 
right? Which means you're getting attacked Stay alive. a bunch. Stay alive. And then play one card and hope that that card does something useful. So I play that card. I draw two cards. And not do I only draw two identical cards, but I draw the two exact cards that I need for both activations of the same soldier. One to get out of the car, the other to claim the objective. And just like that, I draw two cards. I look at them and go, and then I think I won the game. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was a brilliant moment. Yeah. Now, having said that, there was a lot of luck in that involved. Yeah. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of luck in Undaunted North Africa. Is it a strategic game? Yes. Yeah. Are you going to sometimes get a little bit frustrated that things yes, don't go in your way? Very yeah, much. absolutely. But I think going back to the point that it's quite a quick game, mm. it's not that frustrating because it doesn't last that long. No. Yeah. And uh, I know I've made this point before, but I think that frustration is quite thematic. I really want to do this thing. Ah, oh, you can't. Mm. Because war. Yeah, right. <laughs> because this is a battle. Bam, 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 bam. Things have died. Oh, no. I don't have that soldier anymore. What can I do now? And I, I feel like that's quite thematic. So talking about things dying. Yeah. Here's a moment from this game that really stuck with me. Yeah. Right? So we played this scenario where we had to, I had to escape. Mm-hmm. I had cars and there were a certain number of soldiers that had to escape. I think the total soldier count was nine. I had to escape with five. Yeah. You have to kill five. Yeah. If you kill five, I can't win because I can't escape with five. Yeah. But if they escape in a car, then like all of them escape, right? Mm. But when they escape, there's less and less soldiers on the battlefield that I have. Mm-hmm. I have to remove those cards from my deck, uh-huh. you know? And if there's, if I have a lot of fog of war, then it's going to be just a couple of soldiers, mostly fog of war in my deck. The more escape the scarier it becomes. So this high tension environment, once again, you know, that I'm kind of thrust upon by the game system. And there's this weird thing that happens. So I have this vehicle that has three soldiers in it, right? There's one in the driver's seat and there's a couple more. If they escape, that's it. I won the game. I'm golden, right? Here's the problem. Uh, You just shot at the guy who's in the driver's seat and that was the last card that I have in my deck of that soldier. Is that soldier dead? No. It needs one more shot to remove the token. If the token is removed, then like in the previous version, it can never come back. Mm-hmm. That soldier's gone. You mm-hmm. can't have him back. Mm-hmm. And here's the situation, though, right? If I have a driver, right, in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. and I don't have cards... To activate that driver, no one can drive that car unless I spend a card from another soldier that's also in that car to switch seats. Yeah. But then I've spent that card. I need to, once again, redraw that card so I can then drive the truck, right? What you did in that game and what won me the game, unbelievably, (laughs) is you shot the soldier... That was the driver that had passed out in the driver's seat. (laughs) Right? And because you shot the soldier, in Mm. my mind, thematically, what happened was, you know, he fell out of the car or whatever, right? Because that token was removed. So it wasn't taking up space. And if there isn't a token taking up space in the car... You can just move. I can just move. I don't have you to spend the car. You can shift over to the, the seat. Yeah. So I just... I was like, oh, okay. So I shift over freely. 
with my soldier that I have a card for, and then that soldier sits in the seat and drives off into the yonder, hooray, I win. Yeah, that was quite frustrating for me because I felt like I had to shoot the driver because I thought he was going to drive off. But What you had to shoot was I, the other people right, in the car, right? Right, right. and is, that was a tactical error. Well, that's the thing. So what I found more and more as we played Undaunted North Africa, because the way we played it, we played it like board game reviewers, mm. right? Like, oh, okay, there's scenarios. We're going to go through them, evaluate each scenario mm. and, you know, see how we feel about them. But it turns out that each scenario introduced really weird rules quirks mm. and, and stretching of the system in ways that feels, you know, like almost like we're breaking physics <laughs> by, by how much the system is being stretched and how elastic it is. You know, it's like Mr. Fantastic, sure. you know, this, this game shouldn't be able to do that, right? But it is. But here it is doing it. Yeah. And I think what becomes interesting is how much you learn about each scenario and how the systems interact in that scenario. Yeah. You know, so next time you play it, yeah. you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to take out the driver until he doesn't have cards in his in, in his deck anymore. Yeah. And you can sort of count how many of those cards are. Which I didn't do. I yeah. wasn't even thinking in those terms. Mm. I was so blinkered like i just need to take out this driver because he's going to drive the truck out yeah but yeah if we play it again i will try and think more tactically okay so we've compared this game in the past to memoir 44 mm. because there's not only a thematic similarity yeah. it's a world war ii one versus one game mm. but also it's relatively quick it's a mix of strategy and luck a lot of people say memoir 44 is just luck i disagree i played it enough to know that there's actually quite a lot of strategy in yeah. the system. It is governed a lot by luck, but, you know, you need to think about what you're doing. You can't just go, well, I'll just move soldiers there. It's uh, not luck. It's your general's orders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And for me, I'm, I, I thought that it was an apt comparison. But the more I played on North, North Africa, I realized that these two games are nothing alike. Mm. That's the only similarities they really share. And I'm wondering... Which of these is better? And and it's an honest question because on the one hand, you have a game like Memoir 44, which is strategic, luck-based, one versus one, you know, it takes yeah. about an hour to play, but it always paints a picture, mm -hmm. right? Now, North Africa also does all of that and also always paints a picture, but the picture that you get in addition to that is this very nitty-gritty mechanical niggly bits that you kind of have to figure out yeah and is that fun loaded question i yeah, know it was. for me that was fun so when i was in that moment mm -hmm. doing the wrong thing it didn't feel much fun but the fact that i had to think about what i was doing mm. and that i had made a wrong move whereas like like you're saying you know in memoir 44 there there is a lot of luck there because you are you do draw cards and you're following your general's orders mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily what you want to be doing but you're still choosing units to activate whereas in this there's a lot more of that minutia of who you want to take out first and when and how mm. and i enjoyed that and it made me stop and think if i played this again i would play this differently and for me that's always a sign of a good game for for me personally like if I want to play it again to try and do it better yeah and there's things I've learned while I was playing it well it teaches you by forcing you to make mistakes right like sure. and and that is 
this is certainly one way of teaching the game subtleties, and mm. I, it's not my favorite way of sure. teaching the game subtleties, but I, I was surprised by how not only does the game feel you know, razor edge tight, you know, yeah. I just made one silly move and that, that pretty much cost me the game. Yeah. But also then you realize that you weren't making the right moves at all because mm. like I just illustrated, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't shoot the unconscious driver no. because he's taking no. up a space yeah, exactly. in the car. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I've never encountered a game that has a system so simple yet it evolves and branches into so many different thematic and mechanical considerations uh, like Undaunted North Africa, if you ask me whether I enjoy this game, I'm still not sure because I never liked the first one and there's something very bitty and particular about the rules mm. of the system and also the high amount of luck is something I still struggle getting on with. Sure. But if you ask me if this experience was worth experiencing and whether, you know, like, is it is it a sublime game? I would have to say undoubtedly yes. Yeah, you're not playing it at a tournament level. I don't mind quite as much. Again, because it's quick and it's not complicated to to learn. Mm. I don't mind if there's that that little bit of um, learning as you go. And I think some people's brains probably would get it immediately. They would they would immediately shoot the the non unconscious driver. They would immediately shoot the the guy that can escape that's yeah. a, that's awake yeah um but that's not quite how my brain works but it's it's not tournament we're not really up against each other we're just having a nice time so i don't mind making mm. those mistakes and learning as i go i think that memoir 44 is a very different game i think like you said mm. we have made the comparison between the two because the feel of them for me, yeah. I, I think I, I think I convinced you that they were similar because yeah. I think the feel of them for me is quite raw, like being in a war situation and mm. it's not funny, it's not fun, it's quite hard and you're doing things that you don't want to do. And things are happening and all the time that you can't predict. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. You, it's out of your control. Yeah. And that's the comparison that I make. But they are very different games and I like Memoir 44 because it's sprawling and you have loads of different units at the same time and you can see this huge map and things are coming towards you and you have hedgehogs and <laughs> whatever and sandbags and if you're on this level mm. it means this and you can chew up but not down and whatever you know yeah. there's all these things going on in in memoir 44 that it's still frantic mm -hmm. this feels less frantic but it's sudden isn't but it sudden yes yeah. yeah everything suddenly happens i think that might catch some people off guard sure. i think the suddenness might be just not something people expected and i think some people might go what what is this is this just, just over <laughs> what just happened right is this a game did we just play a game or did you know did is this meant to work like that yeah. right especially if they play the first one yeah. but the more and more i play it the more i realize that it's intentional and once again like we talked about you know what's the scope of time yeah you know right it's yeah. it's very conscious of what it's trying to depict and it does that in multiple ways 
And it's a marvellous success of a game. I agree. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you would like to find us on the internet, we are there. You can go to nopunincluded.com forward slash podcast. We would love it if you could leave a comment because that's kind of the only way that we can interact with you or you can interact with each other. Say hi to each other. Talk about the games that we've talked about. Do you disagree with us entirely? That's okay. Leave that comment for us. I'm very much looking forward to what people have to say about Undaunted North Africa or any of the the other games we discussed today. And with that, shall we say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine. <laughs>